The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Catholics often use the expression, offer it up. And I don't think they often know what that means, or the depth of it, or the significance of it. It's very, very significant. Because God has ordained that the manner in which the world is to be transformed is through sacrifice. That's the sacrifice of Christ is at the center of all human history and is the source of the transformation and renewal of the world. So we are called to participate in the act of sacrifice that Christ himself carries out on the cross. And all the baptized are able to do so because all the baptized, by virtue of their baptism, participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. They have what we call the royal priesthood. And to say that all the faithful belong to the royal priesthood is to say that they all, by their own activity, can enter into the very sacrifice of Christ and offer that sacrifice, not in the manner of a ministerial priest who offers it on the altar, but by the very sufferings of their daily life. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, it's great to be here with you today, and uh, as you reflect on that, I hope you will mark your calendar. Remember, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, and it's one of the two days on the church calendar. The church requires us to fast. Well, today, of course, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to indulge and enjoy. Tomorrow is the beginning of our 40-day journey through Lent. We're going to make our way to the great triduum of Holy Thursday and Good Friday and of course, the Easter Vigil and Holy Saturday, and we'll be celebrating the resurrection before we know it. I don't know where time is going, but this is a good time to reset. You know, people do this at, at New Year's. Oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm going to do this, and you know, they have, they set these New Year's resolutions, and a couple of days later, they're they're back to their their old habits. I love Lent. It, it really it's a time of penance and prayer. It's a time to really refocus. Get the confession if you can. All right, clean the slate. And then spend some time with the Lord. Maybe commit to adoration. Definitely commit to fasting. Okay, well, we'll talk about fasting today. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these traditional penitential practices, right? It's a day tomorrow where the church asks you to do that. Let me give you the church's requirement on it because I, I tend to fast a little harder than what the church asks. But the Catholic Church has a specific, specific requirements for fasting, which apply to every Catholic. If you are listening to me and you're between the ages of 18 and 59 years old. There are some exceptions for those who have health conditions, of course, that prevent them from doing this. But during Lent, the church says that Catholics are required to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And the church defines fasting as this, this is the key, as eating only one full meal and two smaller meals that together do not equal the full meal. Now, you know, let's not play around with the the language either. Let's not have a giant meal and have our two other meals be, you know, smaller so they combine. You know, it should be penitential. Your Catholics are required to abstain from meat, of course, on Ash Wednesday and in Good Friday and all Fridays during Lent. So, but again, I just want to repeat it. Fasting tomorrow, one full meal, and try to make it, I try to make mine modest if I'm going to eat. I, I tend not to eat at all on Ash Wednesday, but if you can fast with one small meal, the two, the other two meals combined sh should not equal the size of the full meal. So think about that as you plan for tomorrow. And, and again, you know, the church wants us to fast. It's a spiritual discipline rather than a strict set of rules. 
And you're, you're encouraged to approach it with a spirit of generosity, a spirit of love for God, rather than some sort of burdensome obligation. But you know what I find weird psychologically? Um, when I am forced to fast, and force is a strong word, right? When the church says, hey, you need to fast, it is so hard for me. Like, I could fast other days, no problem. But when I know that I, I really can't eat, oh, my gosh, it becomes hard. But there's a grace in that, too. So I want to talk about the spiritual benefits of it. I want to talk also about the physical, physiological benefits of this as well. And, and we're really blessed to have back with us ahead of schedule Dr. Sean O'Mara. Uh, we've talked about weight loss with him and gut biome and so many other things. And today I thought we'd mix it up and talk about the benefits of fasting with uh, Dr. Sean O'Mara, who's a wonderful physician in private practice in Minneapolis. Doctor, thanks for giving us some time today. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, Drew. Great to be back with you and the audience. I always love talking to you. I don't, I, we, I've have we talked fasting in the past? I don't know. We really have. No, I don't think so. And uh, right away, you know, I uh, uh, I think it's a winner. I think your audience will really enjoy um, this particular topic. And there's so much to talk about. There's so many benefits. And I think that's why it's connected to um, a spiritual practice. And it's part of the church teaching because it is so beneficial to us. And so it it should be understood at the outset that this is not just merely a spiritual practice that uh, we partake of during Lent, but it's actually something that is just good for our bodies. And remember, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. They're temples of God. So if we get fasting right and we improve our, our temples of God that uh, we are custodians of, we get to enjoy a better life. We live better, and uh, that's really what the Lord calls us and wants us to do. So um, it's a it's a really great topic, and I'm just so excited to to be talking about well, it. I'm glad to have you here. I, I've been doing, you know, I, I used to fast all the time. It was pretty easy for me. And then I think God removed the grace. Um, or maybe he gave me a grace is a better way of looking at it, because then it became a real struggle for me. It was really, really difficult to fast. But then it becomes meritorious. For anyone who struggles with this, this is going to be— a real grace-filled opportunity will amplify your prayer, and you can really move mountains. But what I've done recently, I've been into fasting recently, and I've been thinking about our conversations about the gut biome, and I've been watching a lot uh, about fasting. And, you know, if you can give your digestive tract and, and allow, you know, your your body to have that break from food, if you can go into autophagy and allow your body to start to heal and consume those broken proteins and all those other things— um, then you can really also repair your gut biome. So let's start first with maybe the, the the physiological aspects of this. You know, I hear from a lot of medical experts that fasting has these wonderful medical benefits. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that. What does it do to the body, and when does fasting actually kick in? Because the way the church is asking us to fast, I think that's more of a spiritual thing. You know, when you have these meals, your insulin levels, your blood sugars go back up. I, mean, I, I try to fast without food, but give me your take on the way you fast and ultimately advice for us and, and what happens when we allow our body to, to experience this. Okay, so I think the best way to set this up, and that's a great question, is to take us back to what our bodies are adapted to doing. And keep in mind that uh, we've been on the planet a long time, and we won't go into exactly how long because theologians argue the point, so do scientists. But uh, to the extent that we've been here a long time, we're more adapted to a lifestyle 
where we didn't get to eat for prolonged periods of time. We just didn't have grocery stores, food supply that allowed us to have uh, food every single day and uh, the capacity for, you know, getting groceries and eating three to three meals a day. So what it meant was that we probably went on the order of days and even weeks without feeding. And what has happened during that time as we became adapted to that, as our species uh, experienced it, was this ability to benefit from the fasting period. We actually, during that time, our bodies uh, go into a process that you mentioned called autophagy. And a good example um, to, to illustrate what autophagy is, it's sort of like your house is a hoarder. I mean, you're, as a hoarder, your house is filled with a bunch of debris. And uh, that debris just accumulates from uh, an excess of lifestyle and you never clean anything out. So when you're feeding all the time, you don't go through this concept called autophagy where cellular debris, just the, the kind of uh, the waste products of life, physiology, living, accumulate in a cell and therefore in organs and tissue. And if you're always eating, you don't get to clean that out. But if you fast and particularly do extended fasting, and autophagy can be measured through uh, cell-mediated autophagy activity, CMA activity. And there are metrics to study that. And it seems to be uh, increased maximally at around three days, a three-day fast. So um, it can be uh, daunting to, to think about extending that much. And the church doesn't doesn't expect us to, to do an extended fast that way. But it is dose dependent. In other words, the more, the longer you fast, the more benefit that you get. But there probably is a Goldilocks period, and I recommend my clients get up to that three-day fasting period wow. over a, over a substantial period of time, three to six months. Uh, but uh, probably not going much past that, maybe three to four days, and uh, it and it really cleans out your cells. It cleans out the house, the, all the accumulated debris. And when a house is nice and clean, you live in it so much better. If it was filled with a bunch of, you know, uh, papers everywhere, you just couldn't live as well. And then it gets cleaned up like a like a detail shop moves in in a, in a car, a homeless person. You get detail in that car. Then that car functions a lot better. People can use it a lot better. Oh. So that's really what autophagy allows us to do. So in, in I'll take some calls, too. If you want to join us, it's 888-914-9149. But let me indulge for just a minute on this autophagy, because I think it's the key to this. Um, does it go into effect after 12 hours of fasting, 18 hours of fasting? When does your body go into that? Uh, when does it go into autophagy and start to begin to give you the benefits of it? Well, you know, it's it's difficult to point at a precise time when it starts. And there are a few other things, and we're, gonna, we're talking about fasting, but keep in mind the metrics on this get a little confounded, meaning uh, yeah. some other things can confuse us a little bit, like exercise. So when you exercise, even in a fed state when you're eating, you can induce a little autophagy. But it begins to, to happen uh, whenever you, if you skip a meal. I mean, you can, you can see autophagy in just a, a small amount, skipping a meal, and then if you, if you really extend it to 12 or 18 hours in a, in a popular form of fasting called intermittent fasting, where you, you, you do a fast for an, a, a, not a prolonged period of time, but intermittently for, say, uh, 8 to 18 hours. And some people uh, will extend that to 24 hours, and they eat literally 
one meal a day. It's called OMAD, one meal a day. You can Google it and read about it and read about the benefits to eating OMAD. And I get quite a few of my clients to initially get started uh, eating OMAD, one meal a day. And uh, it's a it's a really time-efficient way of uh, living. Uh, you don't have to cook and clean up. You don't have to go out and eat. You eat one big meal. And uh, people generally remark how much how easy it is and much easier it is to live that way. So fasting is something that you do not have to, you know, just partake of during Lent. It's something that should be considered by everybody listening today, I hope, um, as, a, as a practice that you can delve into from time to time. And nobody knows exactly uh, what the, the optimal degree of frequency is. But my my response or take to on that is that nature favors variety. And so yeah. we would have extended, uh, had some extended fasts that would come and go, yeah. uh, depending on circumstances, storms and famine and, mm-hmm. and uh, migration of animals and different things along along yeah. the course of humanity, existence of humanity would change that. So um, you you want to kind of mix it up, but uh, I think uh, eating uh, for uh, slowly increasing your fasting is key. If you fast, yeah. if you try to do a fast too long, too much, you'll get discouraged, and then you won't do it again. And so yeah. um, it's yeah. really so beneficial. You do want to slowly yeah. start it and try it. Here, here's my advice to anybody who's doing it, and we'll take some calls for you too, doctor. Um, you know, I, I have this struggle for me. And the longest I've ever done was like a 60 hour fast. I never got up to 72. I got up to about 60. Um, the hardest is day one. I mean, if my last meal is tonight on Tuesday, <laughs> fat Tuesday, right? And I don't eat anything after that last meal. Let's say it's six o'clock, seven o'clock. Uh, I go uh, the entire next day, come dinner time. I want to eat my hand. I'm so hungry, right? I mean, I'm, I'm starved. <laughs> if I could push through that, right? And if I don't give into temptation, and the next morning when I wake up, it's as if though whatever it was, insulin levels or hunger, I don't know what hunger hormones, whatever it is, gone. And I can cruise through the next day pretty easily as long as I avoid, you know, temptation and seeing the food or doing whatever. And it gets easier. There, for me, that seems to be such a critical point uh, for people. Uh, I'd love, yeah. love your take on that because what are your strategies for pushing beyond those temptations? Because I know they're linked to a physiological um factor like your insulin levels dropping or things along those lines that yeah. create this sense of hunger. So h- how do you address that? So it's science. There's a hormone called ghrelin, G-H-R-E-L-I-N. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. It, it basically induces you uh, to feel an urge to eat. You get hungry when ghrelin goes up. And when you fast, ghrelin goes up. So it's a normal response to your body going into a fasted state. But it only increases for about 48 hours. And uh, after about 48 hours, it starts to come down. So typically people report uh, that they have an improved ability to fast and tolerate fast once they get past that two, um, maybe three-day period window. And then then they can find – there are case reports of people that have gone through medical fasts where they're followed by physicians uh, for months and have lost hundreds of uh, pounds and, and done so well. So um, it's a, well, your experience is the experience of most people that the temptation or the hunger pangs that they get yeah. from uh, the hunger hormone increases when you're fasting. But uh, another hormone that increases when you fast is growth hormone. And growth hormone, heads up, ladies and gentlemen, 
growth hormone tells you to burn fat and to build muscle. Now, if you're listening today and you're a little chubby and you want to hold on your muscle, and I think you really do because as we age, we, we start losing our muscle mass. Think about your grandfather right now and older people in nursing homes. Yeah. They have small amounts of muscle. So listen, when you fast, you can actually, um, there's a five-fold increase, wow. five times, 500% increase in growth hormone when you fast. So that's a really powerful uh, drive for you. So when you're fasting and you're hungry, think about that benefit as well as all the cells that you're clearing up. There's such profound science behind the benefits to fasting that uh, keeping your, your eye on the fact how beneficial it is can help you overcome the struggles. And I have some other tips I can give you too, some really cool tips to help you get through those hunger pains when you're fasting, no calories, but how you can decrease those, and it's, it's really not a trick, but uh, what our ancestors would do is they would go drink water out of streams and lakes. Huh. Why would they do that? Well, there was no food to drink, but the, the streams have microbes in it, these beneficial microbes, and they go down there and they add to our microbiome. There are no calories, so these, these bacteria are so small, they don't really break your fast. So um, one of the things I tell my client patients to do is add a little kimchi juice or a little sauerkraut juice to, to non-chlorinated water, like spring water or well water or distilled water. And if you put those, um, those fermented brine that have living microbes into it, it produces uh, you know, what, I, what I call uh, living water, but not the living water that the Lord talks about. But it's, it's uh, water with living bacteria in it. And they break your hunger pains. It's very interesting. So you have you just sip on that a little bit. Apple cider vinegar is the same way. It has it has uh, beneficial microbes in it. If it's organic and non-pasteurized, don't get the pasteurized uh, stuff that's been heated because it kills off that bacteria. But these living microbes stop your hunger pains, and they'll help you get through your fast during Lent and build this wonderful practice. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, like, God, you know, how come I haven't heard about it? Well, uh, this isn't something that's really taught well in medical school because guess, you know, if you start cleaning up all your cells, you start really getting healthier. That's not too uh, helpful to the, the, the business of selling medications and healthcare. care. Uh, so that's why it's something that it, you, you're probably listening maybe to the first time hearing about this. But if you're somebody who listens to podcasts and social media and you get into science and journals, then you this this is all uh, old news to you. You know about this. But for the vast majority of people on relevant radio, this this may come to them as a complete surprise. But everybody should be fasting and the wow. church wants us to. Yeah. We just need to, we need a little help to understand the benefits. So, so adding a little cider vinegar or kimchi juice or whatever does not break your fast. No, okay. no, because... Okay. There's no calories yep. in it. Right. Now, if you added clumps, you know, yep. no, of, you. Uh, sauerkraut, but just get the juice. And what what, what quantity am I talking about? You'll you'll add maybe one teaspoon of sauerkraut juice to 12 ounces of water. That's so right. not a lot. Okay. You know, it's just a little bit, and uh, that that will give you those. And and what I do is I take one teaspoon of sauerkraut juice, one teaspoon of kimchi juice one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar to a glass of water. And uh, there's, not, there's not even a single calorie in what I just told you 
And yet they're filled, teeming with living microbes that will go down and actually improve your mood besides getting rid of your hunger pains. It will give you – it's it's like a mood enhancer without taking drugs or alcohol. I love it. Let me grab a few calls. I know people always are patient to talk with you, doctor. If you want to join us, it's 888-914-9149. We're talking about fasting. There are physiological benefits. We'll also talk about the spiritual benefits of it. Tomorrow is a day of fasting in the Catholic Church, so I thought I'd – Get you plugged in, maybe even fired up for why it's so good. Elizabeth in Newark, California. Good afternoon. Hi. I'm so excited to hear this. Uh, I've been doing this for a few years, but my question is, and and it's made a big change in my life. I mean, I don't have any medications anymore and uh, just extremely feel great. But my friend is going to go through chemotherapy. And so my question is, could she, she, she's read some where people will fast the day before the chemo, the day of the chemo, and the day after the chemo, so three days straight. And I just was wondering, is, that, is there any studies about fasting with chemotherapy? That's a good question. Sure. So one of the things I'll say right away is, um, anybody who has cancer going through chemotherapy should have a conversation about fasting with their oncologist. And it is always a good idea to read some of the studies and articles. There are beautiful articles that summarize uh, studies, but have a conversation with your doctor to see because every cancer patient is going to be in a little different situation. But yes, the benefits to fasting with chemotherapy are wonderful because what fasting does is it makes human cells more resilient to the toxic effects of chemotherapy. So chemotherapy works by damaging cancer cells more than human cells. But to be honest, they do damage human cells a little bit. But what allows people to tolerate chemotherapy much better is fasting. Please, please look into it. It can be very beneficial to help reduce the the side effects to chemotherapy that oftentimes make people so sick. But remember, everybody should have this conversation with their oncologist, discuss the science. And I will say that uh, fasting is not something that is taught in medical school, uh, well understood. And unfortunately, it's not going to be something that a lot of oncologists are going to be aware of. But if you get them the studies and let them read about it, um, you can start to educate them. And, and, you know, fasting by and large is a pretty benign, simple, little safe thing to do. It's not like we're trying a new drug on you. It's a natural process. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, Elizabeth, uh, absolutely. And uh, I, I would encourage any cancer patient that's gone through chemotherapy and radiation therapy. There was one study where 450, where mice got 457 abdominal CTs in one second. The group that fasted um, all lived, but the group that um, didn't fast all died. And so it's protective not only against chemotherapy, but radiation therapy. So if you're going to have radiation therapy, some fasting um, discussed with your oncologist can be very, very protective uh, to your your regular cells that you don't want to have damage to. That sounds great. Doctor, I have to take a short pause. When we come back, we'll talk more. If you're on hold, I will definitely get you on the air. If you want to join us, the number is 888-914-9149. Taking a look at fasting and Lent. Everything you need to know, the benefits of it physiologically 
and especially spiritually as well. I'll tell you what, it's it's changed uh, both my spiritual life as well as the weight loss journey. I'm telling you, it's a powerhouse thing to do. It'll give you energy. It'll clarify the mind. It'll help you sleep better, as you heard there. Um, it helps with cellular you know, regeneration, even fights cancer. So we'll talk more when I return. If you want to get in, feel free to join us. My guest, Dr. Sean O'Mara. Don't go anywhere. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. But I'm absolutely convinced that if you look at the increase of so-called diseases of civilization, so the stuff that most of us get sick with but maybe live 20 years with, that that corresponds to our increase of a high-carbohydrate diet and our dropping of fasting from our regimen. And so I'm absolutely convinced that there's both physical and spiritual costs to dropping fasting and benefits to picking it up. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for joining me. Uh, That was, I believe, Dr. Jay Richards. We just heard there. He wrote a book called Eat Fast feast i believe great book help you on fasting too dr sean o'mara joins me today and i'm just getting you plugged in tomorrow is a day we have to fast and again where the church requires us if you're between 18 and 59 one normal meal i think you should probably make it smaller and the other two meals that you have combined cannot be as large as that that one meal okay i hope that made sense to you bottom line is it, it, you know go into ash wednesday with a spirit of penance uh, do it with a spirit of love, you know, not that this is letter of the law stuff, but you're doing this because, you know, it's a day that we are kicking off our Lenten journey. And you know me, I'm, I'm a man who believes very much in the power of prayer. I love prayer. I find a joy in prayer. And if you want to amplify your prayer, if you really want to see miracles take place, and I can personally testify to this, then fast. Okay, fast. It's hard. It's not fun. But I'll tell you what, I don't know what it is. It's something resonates in the spiritual dynamic, that spiritual spectrum, and it moves the heart of God. Matthew 17, 20 tells us, right, with fasting and faith, anything and everything is possible. Anything and everything. That means that cancer can disappear, that marriage can be healed. It means anything and everything is possible. You want to protect yourself and your family. You want to see miracles. You want to... You, you, you want to see the impossible become possible, then you have to do what Mary and Joseph and Jesus did. You got to do what the great prophets did. You have to do what the saints did, right? And they all fasted. What did Christ do before he went to Calvary? 40 days in the desert, right? Fasting. Fasting. I'm telling you, there, there's a correlation between the loss of fasting in our culture and what we're seeing right now. I, th- I think Satan is very rampant today. Have you ever noticed the correlation between giving up fasting? Like It's not a practice in the West really anymore. And the rise of demonic infestation. What happens? Satan can more easily penetrate the various facets of society because we've let the proverbial protective, you know, locks on our church doors you know, open. We've let the door jar. When when you gird your when when you when you pray and when you fast, darkness has no power over you. He has no power. He can't stand the soul that fasts and prays. Uh, my guest today, Dr. Sean O'Mara, there's so much we could talk about, doctor, in terms of what we do 
with our bodies, how it affects our souls. And I know you you know that. I think that's why prayer and fasting combined are so powerful. A lot of phone calls. I want to grab them all, but give me your take on, in addition to the physiological benefits, the spiritual benefits, the amplification that comes from fasting combined with prayer. Yeah, so my own experience with fasting and spirituality, the benefits I got, I've fasted now for five years. Of I fasted three, three to four days every single week. So I'm fasting almost half the month, and I have found spiritually that that is where my prayer life yeah. is most meaningful, and that's where I can do um, the, the take on the greatest challenges in, in prayer for a moment. Yeah. So there's scripture talking about where the, the, the uh, disciples could not drive out demons from certain people, yeah. and they said, why could we not drive this one out? And the Lord responded, because this one comes out only through prayer and fasting. Yeah. So fasting is this spiritual warfare practice that we can engage in to help us when there's really challenging situations going on in our lives or other people's lives. You know, that's a good time to do a fast and uh, to to raise that concern in prayer to to the heavens, to the Lord. And uh, so it's been very significant, very meaningful for me. And the Lord himself says, you know, not uh, if you fast, but he says when you fast. So it's just expected. And I I really do hope that people are hearing about these benefits of spirituality, improving our lives and our walks as uh, Christians and Catholics uh, with fasting. I don't think it's either or. I I think we have to do both. I think you're right uh, about, you know, we can talk the physical benefits and it's off the charts. Anyone who fasts, they they know that. But And I can talk spiritual and anybody who fasts spiritually, they see the benefits of it. I think the two are intertwined. I mean, the devil understands that what we do with our body it yep. affects our souls, and that's why he tempts us to physical excess, right? To temptations. Yeah. He, he, you know, he he knows what we we forget that we're not souls encased in bodies like water in a jug, but we're intermingled at every level, like water in a sponge. And when he can tempt you to excess, when he gets you addicted, then he's got hooks in your soul, right? But the reverse yep. is true. When you control that physical appetite by fasting, well, by by exercising, you know, prudence and everything else, you deprive him of that victory to gain control over your body and your appetites. And as to your point, that's what he meant when, you know, when he spoke about demons. These certain ones can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Doctor, let's go to the phones. We'll grab some calls. Gary is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he's a regular faster. He's been fasting 48 hours a week. I love that. Gary, good afternoon. Can't wait to hear your story. Good afternoon. Yes, uh, from a person in church inspired me, plus listening to uh, your show about uh, fasting for 48 hours. I started last February, so it's 12 months. I fast just on water during those 48 hours. Wow. I also offered up for, as a means of penance for myself, also uh, for my conversion of uh, my brother at times. Wow. So that's, uh, and and, uh, also too, one of the things I learned was to come off and eat protein. So eat eggs after my 48 hour fast. Well, a couple things, Gary, and I'm so glad you called and I'm so glad you're putting this into effect that we can talk about how we break our fast. I do the same thing. I I just do water during my fast. And doctor, let me, let me ask you about that. And we can go through some of what Gary brought up because I thought he hit on a number of things. Our, Our lady in a site of reported apparitions has said, uh, in former Yugoslavia said that, uh, the best form of fasting is on bread and water, right? Um, I tend not to do bread because I don't want the carbs. I don't want the sugar. I don't want the insulin. And like Gary, I go 48 hours, but heaven knows far more than me. Um, can we talk about all water fasts versus maybe having a little bread to get you through it? And then to Gary's other point, 
You know, he talked about breaking his fast with eggs. What's the best way to break your fast? I've heard some people say, you know, like a, a, a beef broth or a vegetable broth or some sort of broth at the end is good for the digestive system. But we'll hit on some of those. Gary also talked about praying for his brother. But let me pick up on the type of fasting and ultimately the way we, we break a long fast, like 48 hours or more. Sure. So it's not just the length of the fast, but the quality of your fast. So you want to... Um, you want to fast in a way uh, that's pure. And uh, just consuming water is the most pure form. Uh, you're correct. If you're going to be eating bread, you'd be consuming carbohydrates. The one exception I make is um, the, is the, the, the Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist is uh, no longer bread. It is, it is the body of Christ. And so I mm -hmm. always allow myself to, to receive communion if I'm fasting. But otherwise, it's just, just water. Um, some people drink uh, black coffee. I will uh, drink black coffee during my fast. I won't add any cream to it. Uh, I keep it non-caloric, uh, no sugar, no flavors, just uh, black coffee. And you could do you could do green tea or or just plain water is the purest form. But yeah, any calories are going to impair and turn off autophagy. So. Right. You you may get some spiritual benefit, but you're you're definitely going to be turning off the biological uh, benefit. Gotcha. And uh, the other aspect uh, to that call was how you break a fast. So what I recommend is something called I I coined this phrase priming the pump. So the pump has been shut off, and you want to <clears throat> you want to put a little water back into it, but not too much at once. So if you eat uh, if you haven't eaten for you know, a substantial period of time, like 72 hours, and you, you sit down and eat a 96-ounce uh, uh, porterhouse or something, uh, you, you can get very ill uh, and even get diarrhea or, you know, some, some gastrointestinal symptoms. Huh. So start, like you said, a little bone broth, um, um, a little bit of plain unsweetened yogurt, um, a little bit of blue cheese, and then maybe a little nibble of meat. And I, I do that over the course of about three or four hours before I, I break my, my 72 or 96 hour fast. Yeah. If you're only doing a 12 hour fast, it's, it's not as uh, much of an issue, but the longer you fast, particularly like three, three days, if yeah. you do really extended fasting and some, some of the relevant radio audience may see the benefits to extended fasting, try it, just be cautious because honestly, you can find yourself in a very dramatic need of a bathroom. Um, not because you're going to vomit or something, yeah, but right. more more sudden urge to have a, yeah. a very soft bowel, bowel movement. So prime the pump, yeah. bone broth, a little cheese, a little nibble of meat, and uh, ease into it. Yeah. Uh, ease out of it, I should say. Priming that's the great. pump is the way to do it. Uh, and is there a diminishing return, like after 72 hours, that's kind of the max for this, or...? Or do you think longer? well nobody nobody really knows and okay. here's the thing it, it it's very different from uh person to person yep. but it appears to be you know from my my looking at fasting now i've yep. fasted for over 13 years uh the last five i've really been doing extended fasting because yeah. uh, the the more i fasted you. the more the more benefit i got so um yeah it seems to be okay. about about three to four days is your sweet spot. Gotcha. And uh, maybe once once a year you could do something like a five or ten day fast. And then, you know, really yeah. I suppose you could do a forty day fast too, like the Lord uh Lord did himself. But uh yeah. I keep right. it about three to four days. Let's do this. We'll go back to the phones. Michael is in McFarland, Wisconsin. Hi, Michael, you're on the air. Go right ahead. 
Hello. Hi, Michael. So when you're talking about fasting and how it helps people get healthier, mm-hmm. I've heard about like the increase in um, doctors prescribing anti-parasitic medicines mm-hmm. sometimes for that, sometimes off-label. I was wondering what fasting could do for um, conditions or diseases caused by parasites. You mentioned uh, yeah, mental clarity. That's a great question. A, that's result. an awesome question. Yeah. So one of the benefits you get from fasting is your immune system is strengthened. So our capacity for fighting off parasites and harmful microbes is enhanced. But our 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 microbiome is actually uh, improved for beneficial microbes. So now more more beneficial microbes that are helpful to us um, can actually uh, be uh, cultivated and uh, uh, maintained in our microbiomes a lot easier during a fasted state. So microbes, parasites all improve through a practice of fasting. So I think uh, a lot of it depends on the particular parasite. There may be a very persistent parasite that is more difficult, uh, there, but there's there's so many varieties of microbes and parasites out there. But yes, uh, very, very positive effect from uh, fasting. Doctor, there was a woman who's been holding forever, and I want to get her question <laughs> on. Um, her question was, and uh, I want to make sure she hears this, she has to run. Uh, she's underweight. Can she fast, or is it bad for somebody who's underweight? We know people who have weight, it's phenomenal for her. You'll lose the weight. But, uh-huh. but what about somebody who's underweight? What are the benefits, or should yeah, they be careful? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I get this a lot. And a lot of people think, well, if you fast, you're going to lose your muscle mass. Well, what turns out is through um, these uh, beneficial response and growth hormone, you actually preserve muscle mass. And you can actually increase muscle mass if you combine fasting with exercise. So think about this. We would go out and hunt, which was our form of exercise for very, very long periods of time, was hunting, uh, during a fasted state, not in a fed state. So when you're fasting, your blood is available to your muscles. When you're in a feeding state, when you're eating, uh, the blood goes to your gastrointestinal tract, and we don't uh, perform as well. So when you exercise, you want to exercise in a fasted state. So don't take it easy. Uh, Don't relax because you you feel weak and tired. That's when you want to exercise. And it sends these signaling molecules called myokines Mm -hmm. during a fasted state along with your growth hormone, and you can get substantial substantial muscle mass. Like I'm a man of 60. And if you, if you go to, you know, if you see me on the internet, I do not look like I have a body of a six year old and I attribute it, um, to, to my microbiome and a lot to my fasting, uh, exercise in a fasted state. So I don't, I'm putting on muscle and I see it with my clients. So do not be afraid of fasting. If you're, you're slender, provided you exercise very hard and intensely during a fasted state, You'll preserve and even grow muscle. Okay. Will it help you if you're losing hair or autoimmune diseases, people with skin disorders? I had heard somebody say, yeah, it can help. That. I, I didn't believe that. What's the story with um, you know, autoimmune type of issues with fasting? Does it restart yeah. the immune system? Does it? It does. Uh, so it, it upregulates and enhances our, our body's immunological system. Our, our immunology is enhanced when we fast. So our ability to um, to deal with AI, our, uh, autoimmune conditions, uh, is 
is uh, enhanced when we we fast. Of course, you know every condition is a little bit different, and everybody's uh, particular condition is is going to be in a little different situation. But I invite everybody that has um, any form of autoimmunity uh, to get fasting a a try. And you know, a try isn't just one time. You know, we we want to. We want to do something and expect it's going to have a result like a pill. Uh-huh. And so um, it, it's a practice is something that you should do uh, similar to like exercise. You're, you're not going to see muscle growth and just going one time to the gym. So fasting is something that you should you should consider doing regularly and frequently. Right. And uh, and then you'll see those those benefits impacting your autoimmune dis- disorder. I really should have you here for two hours on this subject. I got to take a, another quick pause. It'll be a short one. We'll come back. <laughs> we'll dive right into the calls. All right. And uh, if you want to join us, you can try to get in 888-914-9149. If you're on hold, I'll do my very best to get you on. Okay. The conversation continues right after this. The Drew Mariani Show. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. Hey, looking for a new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Why do we fast? Well, first of all, Jesus fasted. He practices traditional Jewish religion of the time but also 40 days, 40 nights in the desert before he began his ministry. Uh, Moses fasted. Some of Moses implored God's mercy upon the Hebrew people in the desert. And the scripture says God relented in responding to Moses' prayer. And so the effect of our fasting and our our prayer and our our works of charity, I voluntarily fast. I, I choose not to have a meal. Most of the world doesn't have that choice. Most of the world is hungry. And so it makes me sensitive towards the suffering of others, the little suffering I voluntarily take upon myself, and to be aware of of that physically within myself. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Yeah, that was a clip from Morning Air. That was His Excellency uh, Bishop Cahill from the great state of Texas. I'm joined by the great physician, Dr. Sean O'Mara, today. And we are exploring the multi- faceted, if you will, benefits of uh, fasting, physical, spiritual, psychological. Tomorrow we're required by the church to fast. It is Ash Wednesday. So I thought we'd dive into the, to all of this. And doctor, it's great to have you with us. Let's jump back into the phones. Maggie, I think we already addressed that call, if that's what's highlighted on uh, two. So we'll go to Joseph in Jersey. Hi, Joseph. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, you know, I, I'm 85 years old and I'm on medications I got heart failure. How will I fast? All right, great question. <laughs> so first thing I would do is I would discuss that with your physician who's going to know uh, your your particulars about your uh, heart failure. Congestive heart failure uh, typically is a is a condition uh, that, uh, that that challenges people's ability to uh, push blood through their body. You know the the performance of the of the the muscle tissue of the heart. So fasting still is something that you could have a conversation with them about. I would just invite you uh, to to start very slowly. If you're going to try doing fasting, if your doctor allows you to do it, um, then you just start slow and you build up like exercise, Joseph. You build up a capacity for doing. You build up a capacity for being outside in the sun. Um, it's a it's a resilience exercise, a practice of resilience where. 
uh, you know, it's a, it's a stressor to, to fast. So you don't want to do too much. And if you just do a teeny bit, uh, you probably just slowly increase over a period of time. And, and no, that doctor wouldn't even be able to detect you were fasting, you know, in terms of your metabolism and your physiology. So start slow, but start with that conversation first with your doctor. That sounds great. Thank you very much. Roses is in California. Roses, good afternoon. Yeah, go right ahead. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hi, Drew. Hey. Hi. Um, as I'm a first-time caller, a long-time listener. Thanks. I just wanted to share my experience on fasting. I've been fasting for over 20 years, and um, but it was more for health reasons. Mm-hmm. And then um, one day I asked my fasting supervisor if I could do a spiritual fast, and um He looked at my constitution and considered my health, and I was able to do 20 days on water. And it wasn't easy. I didn't have any bread, any food. I was living in the forest at the time, and it was a very humbling experience. I was very quiet. I journaled. I read my Bible. And um, it was very painful because at that time, I didn't know that I was dealing with cancer. Oh, my gosh. So... on the sixth day, I remember being so frustrated and saying, you know, Lord, I can't go through another night like this. This is so painful. And what happened to me was um, I started to speak in these utterances, and I didn't even know that I was speaking in tongues. And um, I had a friend there who was watching over me at the time and um, because I wasn't doing very well. And we just watched it. I trusted in the Lord. I knew that this fast was for him and I was giving it, you know, all to him for souls. And, um, in the morning when I woke up, I called my fasting supervisor and he said, you were having a conversation with the Lord. And, and, um, that was the first time I, I ever realized that, that that was possible. I didn't know anybody who spoke in tongues. Okay. Um, I was living out in the forest and that's when I, you know, I went to the library to find out, oh, this is glossolalia and slowly, right. but surely I came back to my faith. And Wow. So the fast, Roger, I love it. Hey, Roses, thank you very much for sharing that. And I am, can only imagine the souls, you'll see them when you stand before God one day that you were praying for a 20 day fast to me is I, I couldn't, I, I don't know how anyone can do 20 doctor, let alone 40, but you heard roses. We, we've talked spiritual, physical, uh, what about psychological as, as well? What's it do to the mind when you, when you fast like this? And what do you think about the Rosa's story? Yeah. So for our first year question, um, one of the things that does to the mind is it uh, produces a particular type of molecule called a ketone body, a ketone body. So these ketone molecules uh, have a, a, a generally a pleasant uh, kind of effect on our minds. And so people oftentimes will get in good moods that the longer they fast. So initially you don't have as many ketone bodies and you might be languishing a little bit the first day or two, but as you become more ketotic, then these ketone bodies give you this kind of heightened state of energy and uh, and you can you can do things better. You can perform better. Uh, athletes have reported that they they function better in a fasted state, and and uh, you have better neurologic testing. And so you can think with clarity. And I myself have, have noticed that too. I prefer to be in a fasted state if I have to performance as an issue. And then uh, as far as the 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 uh, uh, aspect of spirituality, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean. I, if you really start fasting, particularly if you're by yourself, you can really um, enter into a much uh, stronger 
uh, spiritual communion with the Lord and where the Holy Spirit can move on you. And there are examples of where people have received the gift of tongues uh, spontaneously, and uh, that can happen. So who knows the ways of the Lord and the heart that's before before the Lord in a fasted state can um, can be uh, separated more from the world and our flesh uh, to be more spiritually minded. So I think Rosa's story is beautiful. And uh, a 20 day fast you say, is, yep. is a, is a challenging yep. one you know, where we, we don't expect and people to, to regularly partake of that. Well, let's do this. Cause time is just flying by Jane's and, and Rosa's. Thank you for calling. Uh, Jane's in uh, Woodland, California. Hi, Jane. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, my question is twofold. You kind of answered one because I'm 77, but the other one is for years I've been hypoglycemic and my doctor said eat every three hours small meals. And right now he's retired. I don't have a doctor. So um, that's my question okay. for you. Good. Okay. So that's a, that's a, an interesting question, uh, Jane. So there, there's an interesting technology out there called a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM. Continuous glucose monitors um, are available now at most like drugstores, if you think of like Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid, but uh, they do require a prescription of a doctor. So I would recommend, um, I think it's a good idea for everybody to have access to a doctor and getting one of those can help you understand, Jane, what's going on with your blood sugar. So if they're dropping, you'll be able to see that Sometimes people confuse dropping blood sugars with the fact they're just tired or sleepy. And so it's always a good idea to, to verify what's really going on rather than just how you're feeling. So a CGM monitor is about $30 every two weeks, and it will give you continuous readings on your blood sugar. And, uh, and with that kind of information, you can see, you know, how a, a fast is performing for you, whether you, um, you are are tolerating the fast or not? You need to break your fast if your blood sugars are 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 not or either are too low. So yeah, CGM is a good way to take a look at that and and get a doctor, Jane. Um, I hope you find a good one, and um, and you you can uh, you can explore CGM with them. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I don't think I have time for your calls. Do I, Maggie? My well, let's see. Uh, Ma Maria in Baldwin, California. You've got to make it quick. Yes, uh, good afternoon. I just have a question. Um, I haven't done a fast ever, so and I I want to teach my daughter and my son, uh, who are teenagers, okay. to start doing that. Okay. How can I go about that, or where can I uh, go to? Good question. Doctor, final thoughts from you yeah, and resources on fasting. Do it. Start super slow and increase over a period of time. It's not a race to get there. So start maybe a two-hour fast, and then next week do a four-hour fast, and the next week an eight-hour fast. And you just Google fasting benefits and, and yeah. practices, and you'll read about it. Hey, doctor, thank you for your time. Always great to talk with you. I hope you have a blessed Lent and a very uh, special Ash Wednesday. Well, thank you, Drew, and to you and the relevant radio audience and crew there. All right, I'm Drew Mariani. Out of time for the day. I want to thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. Say a prayer for me. I'll pray for you. Have a great day.